Did you know that it is Asian American Pacific Islanders Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Carden, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meath. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA Scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native, Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. I love fast cars, but there aren't a ton of high-performance EVs. They're certainly out here there. But when I when I get a chance to get behind the wheel of one, it's I love it. And I was blown away by the Kia EV6 GT. When you get behind the wheel of the Kia, it, it is literally like being in a state-of-the-art rocket ship, but also comfortable. The thing goes from zero to 60 in 3.4 seconds. It is the premium driving experience. And of course, it's an EV. So the climate thanks you. SiriusXM provides access to over 165 channels in the vehicle. Music, sports, news, comedy, yacht rock. Let's go. Little, little steely Dan going in your Kia. Come on now. So check it out today. It is the all-electric Kia EV6 GT. I had a blast checking it out. Believe me, you should do it yourself via kia.com slash EV6. To learn more, that is kia.com slash EV6. Kia, movement that inspires. Hey, how are you? What a pleasure to meet you, man. I can't believe I've never met you before, but I'm so psyched to do this. I know. We have lots to talk about. (laughs) So much. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Literally. It's me, Rob Lowe. Is that what Oprah does? Okay, I'm going to start doing that. Um, Today, the very smart, very accomplished, very industrious Topher Grace is here with us. Just a good dude and a really fun hang. We're going to talk 70s show, which I have a special affinity for. I won't spoil it. Um, I'll let you find out why. Um, Let's get started. We have a lot of people who uh, we share in, in uh, common. N- n- I mean, most of everybody, uh, I would say the Turners. Dude, I just saw the Turners recently. And uh, yes, I cannot believe. Uh, I mean, I believe why you were, worked with them. I can't believe why I worked. So with the Turners, for those of you who the, for those of you who don't know, the t- Bonnie and Terry Turner wrote Wayne's World with Mike. I believe they might have written Wayne's World, too. They definitely. They wrote Tommy Boy. And they probably wrote a bunch of sketches when you were first on SNL, right? They were on SNL as, as high-end writers when I, the first time I hosted and, you know, created hundreds of, ama- you probably, do you know some of the famous sketches they created? Yeah. My favorite stuff they did is like the really weird stuff. Like, um, I mean, I love, I mean, obviously Wayne's World was like the first movie that like, well, I guess Blues Brothers was a huge deal but uh right but i remember thinking wayne's world shouldn't work and then when it was that good a movie i was just so impressed but but they did like do you remember that trucker sketch that alec baldwin was in where they like 
They're at some truck stop. They just, the, the weird ones they did are the, are the, and they're like art. That period of time when Phil Hartman was on and stuff, I'm so jealous you got to do that. It was a great time. And then the Turners, of course, uh, created um, that 70s show. Yeah, and Third Rock from the Sun. And when I was in, I went to boarding school in New Hampshire with their daughter. <laughs> I remember when she was a little girl. She's in some of those sketches. She's, I think she's the little girl in that It's a Wonderful Life sketch. They've just written so much stuff that I worship. And I worship them not ever thinking I'd be in entertainment. And then uh, Lindsay, their daughter, did the sets uh, for this play that I only did because I had a tennis injury. This is like senior year of high school. And then I said, I'm going to USC. And they kind of came up to me and said, can we call you when you're out there? And I thought they meant to be I don't know what I thought, but like maybe a PA or something. Like I had no idea. And I, yeah, yeah. I said like, sure, babe, Hollywood, like your people call my people. I was like, kind of blew them off. <laughs> and she called me freshman year of high school and told me about the show. And the, the funny story we were laughing about, I just saw him when she called me. First of all, I think I was like high or something. And I was, I was like, <laughs> Bonnie, who? And I was like, oh my God, it's like my friend's parents. And then she said, uh, you know, we're doing an audition and it's for this. It wasn't called that 70 show that I forget what it was called, but she kind of explained it to me. And I said, sure, I, I got, I'm not doing anything. And she said, bring a headshot and a resume. And I said, okay, I know what a resume is, but what is a headshot? I mean, I never heard of that. Yeah. So, a headshot is like, like a sniper. <laughs> yeah. I got him with a headshot. He went down like a sack of potatoes. So she, she said, it's a picture that goes with the, the resume so we know who's res and i said okay got it and i brought like the the resume said like you know dunkin donuts and suncoast video and all these places i worked and then the the picture was just me and a bunch of my friends at six flags like <laughs> oh, no. it wasn't a real headshot so i whatever but i think it was they were looking for someone who had no experience obviously that's amazing that's amazing that they it's isn't it funny how life works out you're you you're at school with their daughter and then you end up like it's just insane. In that 70s show, by the way, maybe the greatest title ever. Well, I think it was not, it was called uh, Days Like These or Teenage Wasteland or something. And people kept coming out of the focus group and not remembering it, but saying like, well, I like that 70s show when they showed them all the shows that year. <sighs> Wait, I just stop you for a second, dude. I can't, I was thinking about doing the show this morning and I, I like can't do a show talking about me where you're asking me the questions. Like, you know, like you're such an icon, man. And I, I just like <laughs> to, I don't know. I, I listen to episodes. And I'm like, how are these people talking about themselves? Like, <laughs> what do you not know about Hollywood that I could tell you? You know I mean? Like <laughs> everything. No, I, I, well, you're very sweet to say it. And, and I usually have a rejoinder or a, or a sub story for everybody's story, but People, you know, I, I people on the message were like, Rob Lowe is a narcissist. All he does is talk about himself. He should let Matthew McConaughey do the talking. Okay, so, I guess when it's someone who's your peer, maybe. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I've listened to some of those episodes. You know, okay, like you're, and at least then you're telling parallel stories of like, well, I tried out for Titanic too or whatever. But like, right, 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 right. I can't imagine someone like me coming out here and not, like, you're talking about the Turners, sure, 70 show, whatever. But like, I, I got, what was that like going to do SNL back then? That is, I know everyone argues about the best time, but that is the best time in the history of that show, correct? Well, as you know, because I, I, I love SNL is a big, big subject of this because A, I was, grew up as a huge fan, as we but all did. You crushed, and I, dude. I, you crushed on that. And then obviously they gave you all these movies because you were amazing on it. Thank you. It was a dream. It was a dream. For me, that was the Super Bowl. I like handsome, funny guys like you, Alec Baldwin, these guys who went on who 
were surprisingly funny. That's still what their favorite thing is, I think. You know, and that's what, because when you think about it, that's what Chevy was. Oh, right, right. In the right. day. You know, I mean, to, to find somebody who can be in that right. lane um, is, is super hard for them. Um, and uh, it, I think when people talk about the best SNL, it's whatever group you grew up with. No, I know. I, I hosted it one time and Lauren Michaels said something to me about, you know, what's the best age of science fiction? It's when you were 13. But okay, so I agree with that. And I have had this conversation on my show. We have three ages. And so I feel it's like Phil Hartman group, like Caitlin, who plays my sister. She's probably early 30s. She's like, yeah, but Will Ferrell. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's brilliant. Mm -hmm. And then Jimmy, who uh, Jimmy Tatro kind of came up on YouTube and he's a really industrious guy and kind of made it into Hollywood by making his own stuff. He's like, yeah, but Lonely Island. Yeah, I get all of the what's great about you know Eddie Murphy and Kristen Wiig and all that. Stuff. Yeah, but give me a break. It must be Phil Hartman, Dana Carvey, Mike Myers, Dan Hooks, Adam Sandler. Nora Dunn. Nora Dunn plays my mom on on Home Economics. Yep. You know they have those reruns that are on at like two thirty a.m. My uh, DVR catches them, and it was the first episode that Dana Carvey was on. No, and it's kind of the first episode of that whole. They kind of got rid of the cast, right? And I think Nora and um, and John Lovett stayed or something, but this whole cast came. So it wasn't just, it was like Phil Hartman and Dana Carvey and all those cats. And in this episode, he does the church lady and then he does chopping broccoli on the same night. And I was like, I just, I mean, I, I hope it's not that I'm like, uh, that I'm doing that. I'm self-centered because that was the age that I discovered it. I really think that has to be the best. No, for that show. I saw that episode live and I remember church lady being just going, this is the most revolutionary, insane idea. That's always great when you get to see the first one of a thing that takes off. Even when you watch from the reruns and they're like, um, I don't know why I'm promoting SNL so much. It's probably not <laughs> so good. Um, now I, am I crazy or did I hear about 10 years ago that you were developing a St. Elmo's fire thing am i crazy yeah we um we got with joel schumacher and you know it didn't get very far but it would have it would have been i guess did you have a daughter someone had a daughter right um i'm trying to think who had a daughter oh i did i had a daughter yes <laughs> i mean listen i'm like my character do i have a daughter billy hicks did not he was not sure whether he had a daughter or not but, but he kind of found out he did he's like I'm my no no he does he has a scene where she's in the park I, i'll never forget shooting it in the on the campus of Maryland, uh, University of Maryland. Yes. It was like just a way to get into a world of a bunch of kids post-college in that world. And oh, that's a good idea. Joel was amazing, as you know, and I thought it was oh yeah. Such a and Jamie Tarsis was on it, who who recently passed, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, she's amazing. But uh uh yeah, it didn't get all the way there, but I I love producing. I'm a producer on Home Ec and I it's like it's such a great way to to keep doing something that you have loved, but fall in love with it in a, in a new way. But that was the beginning of me figuring out, I, I made all my mistakes on stuff like that. Yeah, right. People often, regular people, people who are not in show business, normal people, good people. <laughs> not people in show business. People who aren't, don't uh, have this good, disease, right? Yes, that's right. Good, good people, i.e. people who aren't in show business, often ask me, what does a producer do, right? And it's like, so they put up their own money. I'm like, <laughs> no. Um, well, sometimes they do. If you're looking in the credits and someone who was not on set and didn't have anything to do with it, 
then maybe they did help out in some way. But if it's someone who's there every day, all the time, you know, it's, it is sad. Not that I need any more credit, but when I see what my fellow producers do, who on this show I'm on, who don't get any credit, um, yeah, it's, uh, sometimes even the cast doesn't really know. I'll tell you, I made nothing but mistakes my first five or six years of producing because it's, it's not like acting where you, you can kind of accidentally be good at it, which I was like, I didn't even think I was that good mm-hmm. at acting kind of, <laughs> you know, I had some on the job training, but basically you kind of know how to do it or not. Like producing is a real learned skill, but I did have some skills at the beginning. First movie I produced was, uh, I cast our friend Chris Pratt in a film called take me home tonight. Take me home tonight. Before parks and rec, I'd just seen him on something and I thought he was amazing. And I think he got some great agent off of it or something. So I take some pride in that. Isn't it great when you, when you, um, as a producer, when you discover someone or, or maybe they're, maybe they're not, maybe you don't discover them, but they're kind of like bubbling around and it's, it's the thing that gets oh, well, think of how the Turners feel. I was like, <laughs> I've never discovered anyone like that. I was like literally in their daughter's high school class in New Hampshire and, you know, they really took a chance to me, but I do, you know, on the show I'm on now, uh, like I said, Jimmy Tatro, it was in like. He was in 22 yep. Jump Street. That's the first time I saw him. And then he was in that show, American Vandal. I don't know if you saw that, but it's like- uh, No, but I'll tell you I played golf with Jimmy over Christmas break. Yeah. Look, he's the most amazing guy. And uh, so I did not discover him, but he wasn't on the list when we went in, you know, and I was like, I'm a really big fan of this guy. And uh, and then the amazing thing is because I'm an act, it's not like I'm a producer, but then I get to sit back and watch it. I get to, you know, that to me, I mean, I don't have a lot of power, but I was- really excited to read with everyone and make sure the group was like a bunch of people I want to spend time with. Did they understand? Uh, uh, Cause I love American Vandal. I don't think there's anything to not understand. It's absolutely yeah. genius. American Vandal is so funny and so well executed. So well, executed. it's kind of like the new Christopher guest, like uh take on that thing. Uh, yeah. It's just beyond belief. Genius did, did, but, that's a different world than the networks traditionally inhabit. Did they get it? Did they go, Oh yeah, he's, I see what you see in him. Um, he, it was like, can he come in and read? And I don't know if Jimmy wanted to. And, and, and tell me on, on Vandal, because I kind of, I, I didn't really want to ask him because I didn't want to insult him. I literally spent my entire Christmas break with he and his, his girlfriend. Um, we were, we were on the same Island and he's, uh, he's a pretty good golfer. He's getting there. Um, he, did he co-create that show? No, uh, he, he's an actor that they found for it. He created his own show okay. called the real brothers of Simi Valley, who the real bros of Simi Valley. And he, I mean, that's right. That's right. Of, that's right. Like, it's actually amazing. His generation, you know, you and I didn't have this where you, you'd have to rent a video camera and the lights and the sound equipment. Yeah. And I always get so mad when someone who's uh, trying to break in now says like, how can I get my work seen? And I'm like, well, there's, a distribution thing called YouTube and you have a camera on your phone. That's better than the camera you and I could have used. And yeah. I just feel like, God, I'm so uh, mad that wasn't around when I was younger, but Jimmy really from when he was in college was making his own stuff and had like a, like a channel. And then he had the show and then he started getting cast in movies. And yeah, I thought it was not cool that they wanted him to come read. And I think I, with the director called him to kind of beg him, you know this like weird dance you're doing where you're saying like we want you to be and the minute he came in and read it was yeah, so obvious yeah. that's another thing i do think i don't know where you are on reading but try to like do it as much as possible 
I even try to send in tapes sometimes instead of do meetings because I'm like, I think people feel like they shouldn't do it after a while. And I think it's, you know, I love, I love it. I'm with you. I love, I, to me, it's a, it's a, it's a, I'm a super competitive person. And anytime I get a chance to go toe to toe with somebody, I look at it as like, let's fucking go, Leo. Let's go fucking whoever. Well, fucking let's do it. So I, I actually, I actually enjoy, um, when I look, I don't want to do it. I'd really get offered a movie. I don't, I don't look at it as the ones they're going to offer me. I don't want like, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? like so I don't even care. Like, I, by the way, it's true. Most of the time. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. Yeah. And the, I remember the biggest one to me was I, I said, I, I read black Klansman cause I, um, mm-hmm. I wanted to read anything Spike Lee was doing. And it wasn't like he said, no, it was like, and I don't think he did. I didn't even know who I was, but, uh, everyone said no. And I made a tape with my wife, which by the way, my wife is still recovering from the language I had to use in this tape shooting in our basement. (laughs) But I was so determined. And I think that's the only way to, you know, whatever happened to a new lane is like, you got to show, you know, proof of uh, concept or whatever. What, what it was to be a, um, a young actor today is very, 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 very different than what it was. Certainly when I was coming up. Even when you were doing it, it's like, you know, I mean, anyone who did it from the seventies on, I guess that was all new, but I like, I really wish they had that old studio system where you just show up and they, I don't know why the actors helped get rid of that. I guess they thought they wanted freedom or something. It would have been great for a guy like me because the studio system really, really knew what to do with people like me. That's right. It's kind of like a Cary Grant thing. Although I think he's one of the people who helped dismantle it, but like they, you know, if you can figure, if they figure out you're good in comedy and, you know, wouldn't have been great for Dustin Hoffman or De Niro or, or any of those guys. I mean, that's That's a really good point. That's what happened is like, you know, people, there's a certain lane of actors who helped Jack Nicholson, you know, I mean, there's a lot of great actors who never would have been stars in the studio system. And that would, it would have been our loss, but, I would have liked it. The studios would have just kept feeding me shit and it would have been genius. Career longevity is the gold ring. I mean, you're like going for the title in terms of like length of career. Like, and like, it's really working like hot, like hot projects. You know what I mean? Not like, oh yeah, that guy's working. What do you attribute it to if you had to boil it down? Your fundamental attitude, like which spills over into everything in life. I'm an optimist. I'm a glasses half full guy. Wait, dude, were you always like that? Always. Really? Like, seriously, you're doing it when you're really young and you're, you're, I guess maybe you were probably so good looking when you were younger that you maybe didn't have some of those insecurities that some of us do. You know, but listen, that part of me also didn't serve me well because it's like, I take it super seriously, obviously, but, but at the, and the other part of it is I don't take it that seriously, obviously. Do you know what I mean? It's a weird, it's a weird mix. Cause like, you know, when I came up with Tom Cruise, he was just this super. Did he take it seriously? Oh, bro. No, I'm just kidding. I was just kidding. <laughs> yeah. 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 You can't imagine Tom taking anything seriously. Yeah. <laughs> and I always had a sense of humor about it. And it's two ways of working, you know? Um, and then, the you know, I love to work. I do. I just, I'm, I'm about to go into a year where I literally will not have, I'm going to do a Netflix series and go back into Lone Star. It's a, it's a year of solid work. Cause I la- I love it. I still love it. Summer is almost here. Are you ready to throw open your windows or throw them away? If they're drafty, foggy, or impossible to clean, talk to your friends at Window World. Window World specializes in home transformation with beautiful, energy-efficient windows. 
entry doors, and siding, featuring Energy Star certification and the good housekeeping seal. Call 1-800-WINDOW-WORLD, schedule your free consultation, and tell them you heard about it here on Literally with Rob Lowe. Window World, America's exterior remodeler. So I came home to a little gift in my bathroom the other day from our friends at Harry's. To get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. You know who challenged the status quo? Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by questionable products in the shaving industry and decided they had something better to offer. So instead of charging the same old ridiculous prices, Harry's found a way to make their beautifully designed razors, and they are beautiful, for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. Exceptional products, honest prices. That's Harry's. They have the highest customer satisfaction in shaving history and a no-risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. And Harry's also has other self-care products that meet the same quality standards as their razors. Richly lathering, skin-softening body wash and scents like Redwood, Wildland, and Stone. And an extra high-quality, amazing-smelling deodorant for just five bucks. I love their stuff. I'm so impressed by Harry's products. All of it. It's all good. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash rob. That's harrys.com slash rob for a $3 trial set. Shopping for humans is hard. Shopping for your dog is easy. Thanks to Bark. Every month, we deliver toys and treats just for your pup. They deserve to be spoiled every month. At Bark, we send your dog a whole collection of toys and treats made just for them every single month. Whether it's our fun plush toys or our ultra-tough toys from Super Chewer, we give your dog exactly what they want. And for a limited time, we will double your first box for free. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com Rob. BarkBox is so convenient and delivers straight to your door and more importantly, right to your dog. I can't wait to try out BarkBox. My dogs need their toys, particularly the chewable toys. Sign up now at BarkBox.com Rob for an exclusive offer. This ad is now over. Let's get back to petting our dogs. I definitely ratcheted down the career for the kids. I did do that. You waited until your youngest was what to go, okay, now I'm going to get serious. Well, ironically, I worked more than I ever did during the years, but it was all on television so I could be close. But it's when the kids got out of the house that I, that I started both podcasts, the, literally this one. And so and, youngest goes to college. That's when you're like, let's ratchet it up a little bit. That's right. That's when I'm, I don't care. I'll work Fridays. I'll work till midnight. Um, I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't need two weeks off. I don't need Christmas. I don't need those, those break. Uh, yeah. That's when I just said, let's go. Yeah, man. Uh, TV right now for me, it's like, I work 15 minutes away from where I live. And it's like, I, I remember when I was doing 70 show, all the adults were like, this is the best schedule. Like it's never going to get better than this. And I was like, I want, we're going to New Zealand for three years. You know, I just wanted to like, I want the adventure. And now I can see how it changes so fast when you're like, I, I remember when we were doing the West wing, I would pass the friends stage all the time. And they, and I'll never forget on the West wing. We would, we, by the time Friday rolled around, 
we would show up for work on Fridays at like 2 p.m. because our call times had shifted so much. And they're like, by the way, here's all your new dialogue that you have to learn. Oh, yeah. Wait, I really, I want to know this. When you're doing an Aaron Sorkin thing and the dialogue comes out day of, I don't think I could do it. I've always thought if I did something like that, I would have in my contract, like, I won't say any dialogue that doesn't come two weeks earlier because I, I literally can't memorize that stuff. Like, how do you- Yeah, you could. You know why? Because all actors can memorize great dialogue faster than bad dialogue. Oh, because it's so good. It kind of has a- I, I'm just telling you, there's something about, I- no, there's a line that I cannot remember in a scene. Like I always keep, maybe I stumble on it right. or I keep getting, I, I know that means it's a bad piece of writing hmm. because if it's, if it's good writing, you do not forget it. No one ever forgets good writing. Why would you? You're so happy to have it. That's amazing. I just, I'm so bad at memorizing. People ask me like, is that hard? And I want to say like, that's the that's the easy part of it. But I actually think that's, I wouldn't say it's the hardest part. I'd say it's the homework part. Like I can't, I get why these guys put this stuff in their ear. And oh, the ear, earplug guy. Who have you worked with that's worn uh, uh, what they call an earwig? So for those of you, that, this is the best. There are certain actors, I think Brando made it fashionable where he eventually got so bored and so self-loathing about being an actor that he put in uh, a little um, earpiece and would have an assistant give him the dialogue while he was acting. So he never had to even read a script. Yeah. But here's my beef with that is one, I don't understand how <clears throat> someone is saying the line and you're saying it. Like I, it just, I'd be like, hang on, like stop talking so I can, t you know, and then it would be all, I don't know. Maybe that's a skill in itself. I knew news reporters do it. So it's possible. Mm -hmm. um, the second thing is I think the memorizing it over and over again is the I, and this felt different to me after I did theater for the first time, which was like 10 years in, I was like, oh, the work on it is the thing. Like when you show up, it's because like you, you there's things you don't know on your 10th time around about it. And it, it sucks to memorize, but I get why when you're, I was, I've never met Johnny Depp, but I hear he's one of the people. Oh, but no, here's my favorite. Here's what I hear about Johnny. This is the best is he, I, he uses the earwig, but it's not for dialogue. It's for music. So he's listening to music. That's actually great. Maybe that's great. I mean, no, is that that actually? I actually think that might be amazing. So he's like listening to you know Led Zeppelin's Tangerine while he's giving <laughs> Jack Sparrow's big speech at the mast of the ship. Or no, if you're listening to score or something, that might really because some of the stuff you have to do. I did a small part in Interstellar, and it was actually hard because the thing was so. You know, these kind of, you know what I mean? They're so big. Oh, yeah. that you're kind of like, am I overdoing it? And then you go, there's no such thing as overdoing it. You know, the world's about to end and, you know, you're looking up at the sky and whatever. But I, I get it. It's always someone who's a legend. Like it's, there's never someone new who shows up on set. No, it's all, no. It, and, and it's always someone usually of a certain age. And look, I do memory as we know is something that as you get older, it, certain people lose it quicker than others. And so there's a medical thing too. Don't and you think though, some of these guys, you've worked with some of them, if they, if they just don't want to do what I don't want to do, like is a full day of work of memorizing stuff. It's I honestly think I, that they honestly can't do it. I really do think they've honestly lost a step in that direction. I really, really. Well, in that case, I actually understand it. But, uh, but I feel like I, what I, my read on it was that it's kind of like, how do I put in this much work, become this much of a legend? And I still have to sit around with my assistant, like and run lines, you know, running lines. And now maybe double the amount of time because I'm older, but I hope it's what you're saying. Yeah. And the other thing is it's a, 
people talk about muscle memory and I don't really know so much about that because I'm not an athlete per se. Um, but the muscle memory of memorization is a real thing. I handle so much dialogue on a daily basis that I can, I can look at a brand new scene, read it once and have, I would say solidly 70 to 80% retention. Yeah. As the season went on, cause I've never done single camera comedy i've only done like four camera where you have the whole week to rehearse but as the season went on this year i was like it felt weird like that part that frontal lobe of my brain was uh more developed or something i just was getting it a little faster yeah my my brain after all these years is um is gigantic on one side and atrophied to a p on the other side like i literally have like i can't the other thing I realize is so awful is, is we're, you know, what people don't realize actors are led around all the time. Like literally there's someone with a headset and a clipboard <laughs> leading you around all my, my life is this knock, knock, knock 10 minutes. They need you in 10 minutes. Knock, <laughs> knock, knock. They need you now. And then you come out of your trailer office and then they take you to a place you've never been before. So you have to be led. And it gets to the point where I'm, I feel like I'm on, on my days off. I'm like a, a 90 year old man who doesn't know where he is anymore. At a really high level, do you think like you've seen them all like turn over like five times? Like yep. whatever oh, yeah. Jennifer Lawrence is now, you know who the one was before that, the one yep. before that, the one before that. Yep. And and, and every, not just to pick on her and anyone who's in any given role in Hollywood or any like archetype or something. Do you like what does it feel like? Does it feel like even to me, I've only been in it 20 years and I feel like it's like a battlefield where everyone's dead, but I'm like, oh, there's Chris Pratt. Like, I see like a couple of people I've worked with. The ones I really see are the ones where someone made a decision somewhere in the smoke-filled room that the trilateral commission made a decision that this is the person. And right. by God, <laughs> by God, this person. And it's never the guy, right? It's and it's guy. never, ever ever that's so true man i've seen a couple of those it's usually before a strike too there's like we got eight projects we got to get them going before the strike this is the dude and i'll see some person in something again and again and again and go that person's never been in a hit america's voted what's going on i also feel like some people are really great like i feel i'm always so bad when i go in a casting room and i feel like some people are really great in the casting room but maybe not on the you know, they don't have to turn it on as much on set, you know? What was it like working with um, Nolan, Chris Nolan on, oh, on Interstellar? Great. I know you, yeah. you, you just came in for, for a bit, but that's, that's even harder to do when you come into a big thing like that. It was, I mean, I did it just to have the opportunity to, of course. all my stuff was Jessica Chastain and she's amazing too. And uh, it was, the thing about Chris Nolan was one, he's really funny. He'd be one of those guys I'm sure you'd get along with. Like, he's just a really, you wouldn't think he's funny because of the subject matter of his films, really dry, funny guy. And, um, and we started joking around, um, his wife's lovely too. And she's his producing partner, but I started joking around with Chris and it was, it was, uh, like, like we were really roughhousing, like, you know what I mean? Like he was so dry. I think I said something like I was actually talking about the scene. He said something to me, like right before he said action, like try not to screw up my whole movie or something. Yeah. Yeah. He right, did yeah, it yeah. Without, Amazing. But he's British. He did it without any um, yeah, just dry. Yep. So dry. And I was like, uh, I think he's kidding. Oh no, no. He came up to me at the end of a scene and was like, honestly, we just have to move on. 
And it was so dry that I was like, I, either he's oh, that's really funny messing with me, or I'm doing so badly that I'm going to be cut out of this film. So uh, I just said to him because I I was like, I think he's messing with me. I said, Hey, Chris, you yelled cut, but like, please wait until I snap because then you'll know when to cut the film later. Amazing. And he was like, very good, very good. I mean, there was, it wasn't like he was laughing or anything. He was yeah. very dry British humor. And then it was on. Like every time he came to give me a note, I remember Jessica was like sweating because she was like, I don't want any part of this. Like it's too, and she was doing a lot more heavy <laughs> in the film, but it was like too, and like he was like, well, you know, I think he gave me a note once where he said, try literally anything else. That's amazing. I like love any, that. anything beyond besides your instinct or whatever. I mean, it was like, oh, no, this is great. Fun. We were having so much fun. And then the last day he came up to me and he goes, Hey, uh, actually, good job. And I said, Oh, thanks. He goes, Where was that guy the whole movie? <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> no, and there's a coda to it, which is my wife bumped into him somewhere with someone that knew him at some restaurant. And he goes, uh, She said, Hey, I think, uh, you know, my husband, you just worked with him. This is right before the movie came out, too. So we've been working on it. And he goes, oh, who's your husband? She goes, uh, Topher Grace. And he goes, mm, no. Amazing. <laughs> you know the only thing I ever let interrupt my podcast? My dog. Take a minute now, please. Pet your dog while you learn about Bark, the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Every month, BarkBox designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. Every toy is tailored to your pup's size and play style. From squeaky plush toys from BarkBox to ultra-tough, durable ones from Super Chewer. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Each box is inspired by a new theme and comes with fun surprises for you and your dog. For a limited time, they'll double your first box of goodies for free. I love making my dogs happy. Love it. It's my favorite thing in the world. And my dogs are obsessed with their chewable toys. BarkBox offers treats to keep my dogs healthy and amazing new toys that keep my dogs entertained. To get your free upgrade, Go to BarkBox.com slash Rob. Transform your bathroom cleaning with Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner. You just spray today and rinse tomorrow for a no-scrub clean. With over 33,000 five-star reviews, this is your once-a-week solution to keeping your tub and shower surfaces sparkling clean. Available at Amazon, Lowe's, Menards, Home Depot, and Ace Hardware. Join thousands who switch to an easier clean. Get your wet and forget weekly shower cleaner today and make your bathroom sparkle with zero scrubbing. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you've been listening to Literally long enough, you'll know that I am a big believer in getting the help you need. Therapy has been a big, big, big part of my life and something I think we should be all doing as needed, just like checking the oil on your car. I've spoken about this and we all carry around different stressors, big and small. We keep them bottled in and it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to get the things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Rob Lowe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Rob Lowe. I've never, ever, ever worked with anyone who's legitimately funny who also wasn't super, 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 super smart. Speaking about geniuses, I'm thinking about Bonnie and Terry Turner. What When you... My, exp- my experience with Wayne's World mm-hmm. was in eighth grade. I think I was in eighth grade or ninth grade when it came out. And I remember thinking, this is going to be stupid because it was based on a sketch. I mean, how could that be good? You know what I mean? Like, it's- oh, when I met Mike Myers, when I met Mike for the first time and we were, he was right, we were writing, I was in the writer's room on SNL and he's a writer star of the show. And he goes, do you want to do a Sprockets or a Wayne's World? I said, Wayne's World is not for me. I don't get it. I don't get Wayne's World. I truly don't get it. And well, I you get didn't even Spro- like it as a sketch. No, nice. I like Sprockets. <laughs> Sprock- I was a Sprockets man where Mike played the well, look, German. Sprockets is great. I mean, it's. Yeah. So if you, the first time I did the show, I'm doing Sprockets. So when they did the movie and came to me, I was like, I don't know. And even you oh, wait, thought But that. you must have thought like, this isn't going to work on a whole host of levels. Like, and then. And then, and then when did you know it was working? Oh, I'll never forget it. One of the things I look back at in my experience and, and it's, I will literally never, ever, ever forget being in a test screening. Well, so you didn't, you didn't even know it was good the whole time you did it. You kind of thought, who knows? It was, I knew it was, it was working for what it was. Right. You just didn't know what that was, right? Yeah. I mean, like I've been on movies where you go, oh, this is bad. Right. Or we're not, we're, or we're not executing what I hoped we did. It wasn't that. We were executing what we were there to execute for sure. And, and everybody in it was at the top of their game and super smart and in, and in that moment in their lives where they're completely plugged in. So it was, it felt great the whole time, but I sat in this um, little screening room in Paramount with a test audience who didn't know. Oh, and they know. were going nuts. Well, when, when Bohemian Rhapsody came on. Right. Right, right, right. And I, I talked to Mike about it. We, we both, we turned and looked at each other. I've never, ever been a part of anything ever like that. It was ever. his first time watching it with an audience. Yes. That's actually special that you got to be there. That's crazy. When they talk about the, the place erupting, right? They, they, they would have pulled the seats out if they could have. And the, the bits in that movie are so like um, concrete strong. Like, and it's really bits. Like they're doing like this bit with the yeah. subtitles. And they're doing this bit. With the, remember the product placement? Oh, they're, yeah, they're literal, like, and I learned a lot. I learned so much. I mean, I learned about, and Mike then took it to the next level with the Austin Powers movies, where it's like, you, you, you know, you, you, you can do modular comedy. We're like, if that, if any of those bits don't work, in theory, they can be taken out. Oh, I never thought about that. That's right. It's like, kind of like you're testing out sketches in a sketch show and then whatever sketch you don't like, you just cut before air or something. You just take it out. Like that product placement bit in Wayne's world, which is super funny. It could be, it could, it could be taken out in two seconds and and the story wouldn't suffer at all. So when you get to like the, the, certainly when you get to the third act, but deep into, even deep into the second, every joke, every joke, no matter how funny has to move the story. Like you can do flights of fancy, like we were just talking about oh, wait, wait, wait. early so, on. Wait, that's so interesting. You, it like the dream girl and stuff like works. Cause it's like the first act. That's right. You, if you do dream girl and this, 
late in the second act or in the third act, it doesn't work. It's a really important thing because the audience is like, huh, yeah, yeah, we get it. Okay, I got to get home. I got kids. How is this getting us to the finish line? Even if they don't know they're thinking that, they are. Oh, and also it's like, it's like a judge in the beginning. You're like, I'll allow it, but I want to see where this is going. But then like- <laughs> That's exactly it. At the end, you go, let's wrap it up, counselor. Or whatever. That's exactly, it's ex- that's exactly it. And then, and then Tommy Boy was, now you thought this is, Look, when I saw the, this is again, my experience with Tommy Boy, which before, I guess I maybe met Bonnie and Terry at like a parent teacher conference thing or whatever, but, I, but like, I just knew they'd written it. Like when I saw those two guys in a trailer and I was the target audience, like I was probably in 11th grade or something. So like, I, like you couldn't want someone more than a 17 year old male to come see that film. Yep. Like I knew I haven't felt that way about so many films where you go, that is the two guys. That's the perfect pairing. That's the way to do it. Like I was so excited about that film and then it delivered on the whole thing. It's of all of, including Wayne's world in a way. I mean, Wayne's world is like, is iconic, but Tommy boy is the, is the movie weirdly enough that like resonates with people in a, with a staying power that I certainly never, ever expected. And I know it's got an emotional quality that, Wayne's World wasn't actually, I mean, I guess they were friends. That was like the most emotion that was there kind of. Yep. You know, uh, 70s show was sold as um, they went into Fox and said, Wayne's World meets friends. Wow. And if you think about it, there's so much crossover and it's because of Bonnie and Terry, but the the basement, 70s show is exactly yes, the basement. basement. And what's crazy about Wayne's World is because I think it's Bonnie and Terry talking about their, and, and Mike, I guess, talking about their um, uh, teenage years in middle America. That's right. It's middle Canada or whatever. It's like nothing happens. I mean, that's why I think Wayne's yeah. too tough because there was like stuff happening and you go, it's, it's better when kind of nothing happens. And it also, I guess Wayne world takes place in the seventies. Like it doesn't, it takes place in the nineties, but it isn't every song on the soundtrack is it's from the seventies. And, and all of the things he did were in this in the, yes, you're, Oh, that's a really smart thing. I never really noticed it, but you're right. It's Mike's childhood, which was the seventies, but it's not a seventies show. So Bonnie and Terry finally got to do with your show a prop, like actually put those jokes in the time with which they remember them. It's kind of the same. I mean, first it's like, like I didn't get it when I was a teenager in the nineties watching it. I thought like, I don't know what these songs are. And they were kind of like Tia Carrera covers a bunch of like 70 yeah. songs and there just are a bunch of 70 songs, but it wasn't like, you know, Queen was on the radio. In like well, that's a big, or that, something. that's a big funny moment where, you know, I learned you know, Mike is the king of fighting for what he believes in. I mean, literally. But the studio what, didn't want that or something? Oh, no, no, no. They, they, and he, and, and Lauren, who never whiffs rarely on this one, was like, I mean, maybe Guns N' Roses. And, and Mike was like, no, no. How about no, no? It's Bohemian Rhapsody. That's what it is. Quit sliding songs under my door that are on the top 10. And then what is the one moment that I will never forget that the audience went ballistic? Bohemian Rhapsody. You know what's funny I'm realizing is I'm thinking about all this 70s stuff is you're from the 90s in that movie. That's what it is. I am from the 90s. Oh, look at the, look at the outfits. And even where they live is like a 70s suburban community, but you I are. It, it's really true. Um, Topher Grace, we, we didn't even get to half of the fun stuff that I wanted to get to with you. I'm just so, I honestly, I'm honored to talk to you. I grew up watching so much of your stuff and and then- kind of being able to be a part of it a little bit in the ways we're talking about. And I just, I can't believe I've never met you. 
I know. I, no, we, I, well, we should figure out a way to do that. Cause we have so much, so much stuff to talk about. I would, I would, I would love that. Um, congrats on the show. Keep plugging away and, uh, Tell Jimmy, I said, what, what up? Uh, yeah. You know, that's what we're going to have to do. We're going to all get together. Maybe you'll come. We'll take, we'll get the star map and find out where you are. And then, you know, don't be a jerk about it. Let us in. What a great guy. What a great guy. I, uh, it's, it's so fun when I get to talk to people that I've never met. I mean, there are plenty of people I've never met, obviously, but, um, you know, I think the interviews are different when, when I have somebody that I know really well. Um, and, to, to get to know somebody a little bit while I'm talking to them is really, really cool. And um, I had a great time. I see the light is flashing. Let's, let's have a little gander at the lowdown line. Hello, you've reached literally in our lowdown line where you can get the lowdown on all things about me, Rob Lowe. 323 570 4551. So have at it. Here's the beep. Hi, Rob. This is Nancy from Westchester, New York. I really enjoy your podcast. My favorite was the one with Patton Oswald. Hearing you crack up together made me smile and laugh out loud. Thank you so much. My question is, what makes a favorite guest for you? Thank you. Thank you so much, first of all, for listening. And please tell all your friends. Um, it's funny. I, I think a lot about, you know, as I'm trying to book guests for the show, who I want to have on the show and what makes a good guest. And I kind of think there are two guests, two types that I love having on. One um, would be people that I've never met that I'm a super nerd fan of, you know, and that's the Kenny Loggins, Lindsey Buckingham's, you know, people like that. Um, where I get to ask them questions I've always wanted to ask them. And the other are sort of my peers and contemporaries where we just goof and have a really good time, like you alluded to with Patton Oswalt. Um, I love people who are quick on their feet and who can just riff. And, you know, we kind of talk about nothing, but also everything at the same time. So it's, I, I feel like the show has two kinds of episodes, hilarious and fun. So thanks for listening. Appreciate you. Um, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Don't forget also, we've got Parks and Recollection out there. It's pretty great. We go through every single episode of the comedy classic. At least they tell me it's a comedy classic. I don't know if I can say that because I was in it. People tell me it's a comedy classic. You know what? It's a comedy classic, but for m what I brought to it. What I brought to it was just like whatever. But, but everything else, total comedy classic. So Parks and Recollection. Um, be sure to check it out, and I will see you next week on Literally. You've been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe, produced and engineered by me, Rob Schulte. Our coordinating producer is Lisa Berm. The podcast is executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Jeff Ross, Adam Sachs, and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. Our researcher is Alyssa Grawl. Our talent bookers are Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. And music is by Devin Bryant. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on Literally with Rob Lowe. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? 
Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.